we slowly uh, but surely encourage them to use the platform more and more for mm. their financial operations and the first thing that we try to engage them with is that if you start using this your financial transactions are already documented in future you don't even need to update, uh, you know upload those pdf documents anymore because your profile is already be being improved if they have used the product let's say x number of times or have created uh, invoices amounting to x amount this user obviously is going to be using it for a recurring period of time what a marketer focused on user acquisition will do in terms of uh, market research and directly talking to the user somewhere uh, retention marketers are falling short of that User engagement and retention is a crucial but least understood aspect of a growing a successful business. We are here to change that. Hi, this is Ankur. Join me as I dive into conversation with the best and brightest minds in user engagement to help you navigate the why, what, and how of this subject. Hello and welcome to one more episode of State of Retention Marketing. This is your host Ankur, and today we are in conversation with Nandini Chandra. She's uh, been a growth professional for several years now, currently leading the chart of her retention and growth at Credible. And uh, she's a fabulous conversationalist. She's been a content background person. And I'm quite excited to understand her journey. So Nandini, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. And let's just maybe you know, give a little bit of introduction about your own journey from where you've been and how you're here. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so my journey, right? I know that you're interested in terms of my content background, but uh, here's the fun part. I actually studied filmmaking during my post-graduation. So from filmmaking, right now I'm a growth marketer. Yeah, the journey has been interesting to, this, uh, to say the least, but uh, fulfilling somewhere down the line. So how it all started is I graduated and then I realized Bollywood is just not for me. And uh, then I started looking out for jobs. It also happened to be the time when startups were gaining momentum in India, right? So a uh, lot of opportunities for content writers or content professionals as such. And uh, that's how I landed up my first job as a content associate. Now, that's the fun part about startups. You get to learn everything. Whether you want it or not, that's a different thing. Sure. But you are thrown into everything mm. uh, as such. And uh, I was a content writer from there. They immediately decided that I would be in charge of creating the entire blog and getting leads from that. It's, it was an ethic uh, startup. So yeah, so from there, uh, I started understanding how organic marketing works and how do you, you know, build a content cycle which uh, revolves and, you know, gets users interested and in that entire awareness, uh, consideration, decision-making, the three basic stages of content marketing, etc., etc. And uh, then uh, again, because it was a very small team and people were friendly, that's very important. I also got to learn the digital marketing side of it, like sure. how the ads are run. So, uh, you know, fun fact, I remember when the social media marketing was happening, again, pretty new at that time. This mm. would be around 2012, 13 or something. Uh, the Facebook dashboard, Facebook ads dashboard 
what it was then and what it is now my god like of course it's and uh, you know the every day i log in every day it's a different dashboard <laughs> so sure. that's how that's how quick things are changing right mm. but uh, going back to my journey uh, so what happened was uh, then i moved and uh, i briefly worked with ing42 i was a freelancer i was responsible for all the startup related stories and all so i think i at that point of time i became pretty enchanted with the entire startup ecosystem and you know how things are and that at that point of time entrepreneurs or entrepreneurship was pretty much a novelty right you want to do something you want to disrupt you want to change the world sure. and of course i didn't have a you know life changing idea but i wanted to be a part of it sure. so i thought i will be you know working with a startup and in 42 working with in 42 gave me that opportunity to, to a lot of startups oh course. yes and you know interacting with founders etc etc hmm. but somewhere i also felt a bit limited because i would hear the new things that the founders are trying or their teams are trying and i'm somewhere just writing about it i was sure. not happy with it right hmm. so i wanted to explore and thankfully get in the ring in some sense you're yeah. witnessing outside the ring but you are getting yeah yeah out. i want to participate i don't just want to be an observer sure so uh i started looking out again uh ended up um getting a job as the first marketing person in a travel tech start- startup okay b2b travel tech startup so okay. not very exciting sure. but at the same time it also gave me the opportunity to learn a lot about from 0 to 1 how things are built not just mm. the product aspect of it but how do you make or rather how do you start your marketing how do you make your name out there and how do you retain that Fair right enough. um if i'm being honest like your day to day activities and such things uh, you don't really think about all of this you don't really mm. get the luxury of thinking about the bigger picture sure but now in hindsight i realize that's exactly what i have been doing right sure so um that's what had happened and from then on it's just been an uphill journey i think somewhere down the line i was at the right places at the right time and uh, in 2017 i joined a fintech startup and uh, since then i think i have been working only in fintech and there is just something you know infectiously positive about this space right now which i do not want to leave so uh, since then i have been only been working with fintechs i have been working with a well, my first journey was with a singapore based wealth management platform mm. uh, that's also the time when i started to learn about ai or the ai bit was becoming important mm. then uh, i happened to work with india's 100th unicorn as well it's a digital new bank for smes sure. and right now i'm uh, working with credible uh, it's india's largest working capital platform b2b space but uh, the very interesting thing about my job at credible is when i joined it about almost a year and a half back um they launched a brand new product so i was hired specifically to look after the product growth of it and mind you my role right before that was content marketing and content strategy from there to product growth and exclusively looking at user acquisition and then of course retention this is something uh, you know 
sometimes when I think back, sometimes when I reflect, I also don't realize how exactly it happened. Sure. But it happened. You're able to connect the dots looking backwards somewhat because normally uh, to have content folks go into the brand side of things is relatively more common. Right. So would, I'm actually quite curious to figure out what were the key milestones in your journey which you thought were making you switch towards this side of the story. Are you able to now look back and say, okay, this is one point where I made a meaningful shift and this is the second meaningful shift and now I'm like completely on the other side of the table. So I think the first meaningful shift for me happened when I joined the first fintech company that um, was there. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is uh, not just because it introduced me to the fintech movement overall, but also at the very same time, I was dealing with three very different markets. We had presence in Hong Kong, we had presence in Singapore, it was a Singapore headquartered company. And of course, we had a very strong presence in India. And uh, very quickly, uh, I figured out that how the user or at the end of the day, the customers behave, very, very different. Um, you would expect a certain level of sophistication for your um, Singapore or Hong Kong based users. For India, it was about trust and the value for money. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know it sounds like a little bit of a cliche when you say that the Indian mindset, they're always looking for something that is worth the buck. It's absolutely true. And if I look at myself as a consumer, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why do you think uh, online platforms or e-commerce so much has, like they have done so well? Simply because they are somewhere down the line giving us or at least making us think that they are giving us value for money. And um, that's, that's, I think, going back to the discussion that we were having, I think that was the most meaningful shift because uh, there, you know, it forced me to think that not one user is the same. Of course, they are not. But even more than that, it helped me understand the different nuances. And in in, instead of just, you know, running some blanket or umbrella campaigns, then I was forced to look at how do I reach to this particular set of people. Sure. And I would also say that that was also the very same time when I started to realize that I need to understand the journey. Again, uh, pretty much on my own and I would probably not have, uh, of course I knew about it, but I would probably not have understood the funnels, different stages of the funnel, how they move, what do you do in terms of you know nudging them, pushing them to do make certain actions, etc. But that's how it became and it forced me to learn never been a fan of spreadsheets or excel files and now uh, funny thing you open my laptop and all it. you will find is excel sheets and dashboards right that's yeah. the reality for growth marketer yeah very interesting switch so that's the first point where uh, the exposure to the singapore based pin is where your big switch from content pure content to now segments and funnels and understanding that side is there a second big step involved? Yes, uh, that would be credible. Okay. So, uh, so my transition from the Singapore-based company to Open was pretty smooth. Um, and Open gave me a lot of opportunity to experiment with content. It also gave me that uh, little bit of uh, experience in terms of working directly with the product folks. Sure. Uh, because I was exclusively working for the retention segment, right? Hmm. And then... Um, I joined Credible and like I said, it was about starting everything from scratch for the product that they were building. And uh, there, not just that, you know, we needed user acquisition, but we needed aggressive growth. 
also needed to understand if I'm getting the value for the money I'm spending. And that's where you kind of have to. So this is this is the scary part, right? Mm. A lot of folks don't realize this, but as a digital advertiser, I wouldn't exactly call it marketing. I will call it strictly advertising. You are spending money and it is not your money. It is everyone's money. So you need to be very careful about what you're doing. It see like uh, like we were having this discussion, and you rightly said that everybody knows Google and Facebook, and everybody knows how to scale. But that's exactly the fact. Your competitors are already there. If you're not doing it, they will do it. How mm. do you tackle it? What are the other channels do you have? If you can make like, I think it's all about finding that right balance and the right combination of digital. If you have the luxury of having an offline presence mm. as well, depending on the business, of course. of course. That's the thing. You need to find that sweet spot and you need to hit hard. You need to hit it every day. You need to be consistent and voila. That's when, you know, it happens. Yeah, several years later an overnight success is born, right? Yeah, several years <laughs> later. That's the Awesome. So, you know, let's just zoom in a little bit on the paths where you looked at retention and product-led growth at Open. And now you're looking at the same plus a lot more of uh, topics with uh, Credible as well. So as far as understanding uh, the team structures, what kind of people need to come together to make this happen, what was the org design like? Is this a growth team which has engineers, product managers, content marketers and everything? Or how is this organized? If I am involved in the growth team and if my product is just starting up, day zero in fact, there depending on the business goals that the founders and the senior management has decided, I need and X number of users to come in. Now, my job as a growth manager or a growth leader is to get those many users with, of course, the minimum money that I can spend or using my money, spending my money in the most intelligent way, in Mm. a more smart way. That's the goal I have. But when I have those X set of users, what do I do? I'm not here to create just a random database of users. I am here to get relevant users who are going to use the product. And that's where everything in terms of the long journey of the business will happen. Then my uh, role changes. When I say role, I mean my KPI or my responsibilities, they change. Then my focus is, of course, I'm getting my users and with all the advertising, especially the digital advertising channels you have, it kind of is automated in the sense you know that you are giving the signal back to the platforms that these are the kind of users I want, etc, etc. More or less on autopilot. That's when the real challenge begins. You have these many users. What do you do with them? You know, I'm going to delve a little deeper into this aspect of uh, the kind of users you want bit of it, right? Because typically, a lot of growth across the last few years, especially in the fintech ecosystem, several others, right? I tech also in that sense, has always happened on very aggressive acquisition-led growth. Correct. But then that's where the quality of the users are getting in and the kind of subsequent lifetime value they'll have has somehow getting compromised. Correct. So the question for you there would be that when you say that this is the kind of users you want, from all the, and this is a web-first platform, as I understand, you have a bunch of people who are filling up forms and then they go into a certain process flow. So the guy who's just come into your platform for the first time would have a KYC cycle to go through yeah. some amount of onboarding work to be yeah. done. So whatever the metrics that you decide, okay, this is a set of metrics that define what a good quality user is. And okay. then this is what I want to ramp up because there are channels which are giving me a lot of users, but they're not the greatest quality. So I will not really scale up those channels. Right. So how do you look at this? What are the metrics that decide what a good user is? And then how do you feed it back to your campaign setup to now optimize for the right kind of users? See, 
One is of course, uh, see the straightforward answer for this I believe would be uh, you give the right signal to the ad platforms that if a user has come and from point A to point B that person has come, done this particular action, I want that kind of a user. Are you able to tell us in more detail as to what those actions look like I, in your industry? Unfortunately, in your industry? Uh, industry yes. Probably not very specifically, sure. but okay, let's say in the lending space, uh, what usually happens, like you rightly said, a person has to come, they have to fill in their KYC or whatever other details they need to fill yeah. in and um, of course provide their financials, right? Because you are... Upload as, a set of documents? Yes, yes, okay. uploading documents, let's call it that. And uh, again, depending from company to company, uh, more or less, but this is the gradual process. Hmm. So, um, you would want that some one user comes one user comes and one user does all of these actions and uploads the document and you send the signal back to the platforms that you know this is i want this is the guy who's completed his onboarding so to speak yeah so to that speak. as a journey step Correct. yeah a user who has completed their onboarding journey i want these kind of users who are likely to finish this action sure. right so this is one so way of optimization on all the digital marketing efforts would be not to just pure play form fills, but all the way till onboarding completion. Correct. correct. Right? That's the signal you give back to whatever platform you're working with. And that's what they optimize the scale for. Correct. And when you look at a you know, concept around customer acquisition costs and how you optimize for those, uh, is this going to be the cost of an onboarded customer? Or is this a cost of a form fill? So the example whatever? I have given you, it yeah. is specific for lending. Sure. Right, I mean, but if we're still talking about lending and SME banking, I'm going to stay within that space. No, but that's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. If you are talking about lending, I have told you that they need to perform certain actions in terms of completed, uh, completing their certain applications or whatever. Sure. Right? Uh, depending, of course, so there upon is, the platform. Uh, there's a form to be filled up and there's a document to be uploaded. Usually, a bunch of them. And then there'll be either a loan given, not given, rates accepted, not accepted. And then depends on the platform, whatever happens, right. happens. But from the user's end, this is the minimum number of uh, actions they need to take. Must take. Um, when it comes to banking or digital banking, you generally need to, don't need to do any of that. You sure. just need to provide your contact details and voila, you have a digital account, right? Oh, well, we had uh, a conversation with somebody from Jupiter fairly recently. And the point there was, I need to get this guy to load some money into his account. Once he's put the money into his account, then there are probably things he can invest in, he can make payments, he can do a bunch of things. But that's where their definition of activated is also somewhat yeah. more specific that, okay, if he's not done this, then he's not called activated yet. Yes. And that's what I was trying to zoom into with you that at what point do you consider the user as, let's say, onboarded or activated? I mean, exactly. So uh, again, lending, I think it's pretty huh. clear. But again, like you rightly said, for a banking user, I've just signed up. I have not done anything. What do I do? Doesn't That's count, it. No? Exactly. That doesn't count. So what do you have? And this is exactly where the growth team comes in. Sure. Right? Of course, the product team has built a great product, no doubt about it. And it has all the features. One very important thing, this is exactly where the growth team's work starts, is that you have a product brilliant. You have a user even better. How do you make the user do certain things? Sure. You can do it with a lot of like there are multiple practices of course. Yes, mm. of course. So you can do a walkthrough video. You have those uh, pop-up clouds. You give them a certain feature like, you know, try this, something like that. Usually what the fintech companies do and I'm mostly talking about neobanking uh, companies is that they have the credit facility. That's the uh, game changer yes. so-called oh. for... Mm. All of fintech, be sure. it B2C, be it B2B, mm. everybody is pushing the credit angle. Mm. So you get X amount of credit, you get 
like coins, monies, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. You do this and you get this coin. It's a monetary incentive of some sort. Exactly. But, but we are saying credit, you mean monetary incentives to kind of do a certain action. You get, let's say, whatever, 100 points or 100 coins for doing yeah. one particular step. Okay. Exactly. Because think about it. You are competing with not just other fintech. You are competing with a hundred years old, probably more Traditional than that, banking system. Banking How system, do you compete? Course. Until unless mm. you in, intense, uh, like you have to have to give them something. Sure. Why else will they come onto your app? Absolutely. And that's exactly what the growth team does now. But the challenge mm. now here is that everybody has figured that out. Everybody has figured that out. Sure. So what do they do? Like, mm. how do you make sure that you come to my app, you do these kind of actions and you understand the worth that my coins or my points or whatever that I'm giving out, it will he- help you more than whatever other points you are getting from other platforms. But that becomes That's, very, uh, in some sense, tactical and transactional in nature, no? It is, but hmm. that's, that's the, the reality of it. That's the reality of it. So what we're saying in effect is uh, to steer the user's behavior in a certain direction, to complete a set of actions and then perhaps to complete the business goal that you have and kind of what they have also. Ultimately, it's about them yeah. requiring a loan, requesting a loan, getting a loan, paying it back and paying the interest they're supposed to pay and that's how the business cycle completes. Absolutely. Once you finish one loan repayment, you want them to take another loan and so on and so forth. That's kind of how the yeah. journey would go. The size of the loan will grow uh, Ideally, right? Yeah. So that guy would be able to access a better loan rate because he's now got some history to it. So let's just go through this journey to a certain extent in the lending ecosystem itself. It's an SME involved. So this is not insane amount of consumer scale that typically some of these uh, yeah. consumer companies might see. So we also had a conversation with somebody from uh, Pay With Ring, if you've seen sure. them. So they have a consumer lending fee, right? Yeah. And yeah. their entire underwriting is automated. So in yeah, a matter yeah. of 10 seconds, you can get a 1,000 rupee, 800 rupee loan. Yeah, yeah. They'll do whatever they have to do from a digital play. I'm assuming your process is slightly more tedious than that of because course. the amount of money involved as well as the kind of documents involved are slightly different and probably more complicated. So in terms of turnaround times, uh, when I, let's say, onboard with uh, the credible application as an SME, uh, what kind of typical cycles do you see that, okay, from this point to the time that he sees uh, application submitted successfully to the loan approved, or this is the value, this is the interest rate, what is the typical cycle here? So, uh, see, uh in terms of a loan application for a business owner, we have tried to keep it as simple as possible. They have to fill in their contact details and basic business details such as the business name, of course, the GST number, etc. Sure. Done. Then uh, they will have to uh, check and then add their civil score. Again, absolutely done via the platform. Nothing they need to fetch from other platforms. Sure. So it's there. Mm. And uh, they have to also upload their bank statements. Again, sure. uploading document section. Mm. That's it. Hmm. Uh, from a user point of view, these are the minimum number of actions they need to do. Hmm. Now, what happens is that uh, similar to any other lending platform, we also have our own uh, engine running our algorithms. And of course, we have our underwriting system as sure. well. Now, the beauty of the underwriting plat- program that we have created is that, of course, we don't have one lending partner. Sure. We have multiple. Sure. And uh, depending on the partner, depending on which, where the, in, in terms of geographic location, where the partner is comfortable, or let's say depending on the duration, tenure of the business, depending on the 
revenue of the business depending on the industry of the business they have different types of low lending products itself okay now what has happened is that we have been able to build a underwriting program which not only you know forwards the application to lenders it finds the right lender and lending product match that is the keyword okay. it's not just the lender the lending so product that you have once you submit the documents you end up probably with multiple offers from multiple lenders uh i wouldn't say that what the platform will help you in terms of uh, finding the right lending product because within business loan there are gamut of options sure. right so for your business for the amount of money that you're uh, looking for and given of course you your partners their financial background your business's financial background you are given the options of the right lending product first coming the from the right first. yes and product always lender. comes first yes and okay. the right lender the best possible lender if that doesn't work out for various reasons a lot of times even the borrower might not be comfortable with sure. the terms and terms. you have the second poss- best possible option right hmm. so, so sorry uh, a few things one is in terms of the journey uh, from the point where the documents have been submitted to the first time a possible product is being shown uh, given that there are partners involved is this process also including an underwriter from the partner ecosystem to formulate the kind of product that will be provided to this person in terms of pricing so and rates so no that uh, that entire process is automated, automated. so what usually happens once the loan application is done and this is a uh, mandated uh, way of operating sure. uh, in the lending space it's is also that, regulated right yeah yeah that's Several the ways. thing that's the thing so uh, there has to be a manual intervention so mm-hmm. the application is forwarded uh, we already know the right lender and the lending product of course the lender themselves know that then it is uh, mandatory that the lender will reach out to the borrower cause verify the okay. documents and a verbal offer is communicated but this is on a phone call this has to happen it has okay. to be verified offline uh, okay there's no other way it's a regulatory requirement yeah. to do that on okay. the, if you're talking about what the user sees on the platform it's pretty much like your loan application is under process you'll be mm. contacted blah 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 and okay. this is also where i may point out that multiple online communication will also be uh, uh, shared with you. something is happening it's not like you're waiting for nothing exactly it's huh. not like you know out of the blank you sure. are already in touch but the uh, final conversation that the conversation that kind of seals it has to happen offline and that's again that's a regulatory ask and you have to follow that through so basically after the person is filled up you have a set of offers would multiple banks or lenders contact the person at the same time no, and accept uh, so something no so this is the thing right it's not really fair on us or our lending partners is like two three people together to they for, for exactly it it's not uh, i mean nobody will sign you're up you're not setting a marketplace here in some sense you're what's is in mean, order the decision criteria on so I what you should do i i think what you can uh, what you can describe us as or the right terminology for us will be lsps Okay. loan services providers sure so uh, in terms of our operations we probably are an aggregator but that's the thing we are also helping the lenders in terms of understanding the uh, financial background and help them process it that much faster so when okay. i said that the lender and the right lending product huh. is being cho- chosen so the lender also knows that this particular business because for us it's a business is more suitable for this particular type of product versus something else Are you saying this is because uh, you're abstracting all the relevant information from the data that you've been uploaded, the Sybil score that you have, the bank statement that you have? You will process it in a certain fashion before fast forwarding it to the lender, and he'll be able to take a more informed decision on the basis of the information exactly. you provided. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. So uh, that's the thing, right? Like uh, the whole point of doing it digitally 
is that you have so much of information and what sure. really happens when uh, all of this is being done manually and I'm see no offense to anyone other credit risk uh, folks that are there in the banks they're brilliant people right sure, at the end of the day fashion, they right? are prone to manual errors of course you are processing no, besides so much it's also a speed thing it's also a velocity thing it's also a quality of decision making that certain exactly. fatigue right and the thing is and this is something uh, i guess if you ask anyone in the lending space there's a um, there's a nuance of subjectivity there hmm. so as a person i might feel that probably this is not a good case this is not a hot lead because you know something like that sure. gut instinct whatever yeah. but when you have processed x number of years of transactions uh in other words the machine can't be wrong yeah yeah so that's what and it also helps the lender to process those many of loans rather than you know relying on manual number of hours and mm. then you know being a bit slow so you end up making the loan processing slash uh product offering a lot more efficient in some sense because of the amount of data you're providing and but this is happening sequentially or is this happening parallel with multiple lenders this is happening parallelly with multiple so lenders so for one applicant let's say i were to be an sme who's applying for a loan with credible my application will be processed by multiple lenders what will come back to me is a possible set of different alternates that's yeah. what yeah. it boils down to yeah. and i get to choose which one works for me in terms of yeah, yeah, of whatever pricing and tenure it does like as a borrower you are you this is your right to have all the information choices possible choices and all the information related to those choices each, each choice Everything. will have its own exactly exactly sure. so and that's what i also meant mm. when i said like uh, you know whenever a loan is sanctioned does does not mean uh, or rather approved does not mean that it will be sanctioned because there might be a reject the, from the, the borrower, borrower itself Exactly. So, okay, so now what has happened is, uh, basis my application, I have a bunch of possible alternates. Can call it offers, perhaps in some sense. You can. And then I can choose to uh, confirm acceptance of an offer, which is what has to happen verbally. Right. And then the sanction happens, and the money would uh, get to wherever it has to. Yeah. Get to. Digital disbursement, basically so wired to the bank. This is as far account. as the journey of borrowing is concerned. Right. Within this journey, there might be, let's say. Stalling points where the guy is there taking longer be. than he is supposed to take, or there will be. you know, then there are set of nudges involved where you will want to bring him back into the conversation. Right. Help us understand a little bit where the engagement pieces where you understand this funnel, you understand the leakage points and drop-offs at various parts right. of this funnel, and you have to make interventions to make sure that the maximum recovery happens. Right. So right. instead of let's say having a hundred people who've applied for a loan and only X number of people who've sanctioned one, how right. do you expand this part? Because that's essentially your business right. KPI. Right. Right. So one quick thing um in the lending space what usually happens even if everything goes smoothly right because uh, we do require certain documents to be uploaded it's not necessary that the user will have those documents handy sure. very honestly which that's is a structural the first problem which you can't solve for <laughs> you doesn't just have the document if he doesn't have the pan card you can't do anything Do anything. Nobody mm. can do anything. And you ask anyone in the lending space, that's where the first major drop-off happens. But tell me something very, very fundamentally. Typically, each of the borrowers are either in aggressive need of a loan, and then they're like shopping around at all possible options. And there are uh, general mindsets that these guys are the hardest to get to, or these guys, these guys are easiest to get to. Of course, the pricing is inverted. Yeah. Right, so a, a public sector bank would probably be the cheapest, but it's also the hardest one to get across. Yeah. yeah. And then there are all of these uh, NBFCs and cooperatives and all of that, which are easier to get loans from, but then they tend to be more expensive. Correct. Simply because the risk profiling yeah. is kind of different, the pricing is a little different. Yeah. Which end of the spectrum do you currently operate on? Ah, uh, both. You do so. Um, uh, from a 
choice of customer perspective, you don't mind working with somebody who wants a really well-priced loan because, because you have that uh, supply as well. So, see, this is where I think we have done really well in terms of uh, partnering with the right kind of lenders. And when I say right kind of huh. lenders, I mean, we have lenders from the entirety of the spectrum. spectrum. You, to we, put it in very simple terms, if somebody wants a very well-priced loan, if he has the books for it, he'll get it on your platform. Exactly. Exactly. So you don't have to be a desperate guy to accept an 18% rate. That's only one part of your play. The larger part of your play might just be that this guy is really good. But yeah. you would rather have one person kind of look at everything and then give him yeah, all the exactly. options than go to have files placed at different banks. Exactly. So the offering essentially being simplifying the journey of getting a loan than uh, the price itself. Is that a safe place to say? So um, that of course is one part of it. The other one is also uh, helping them understand the different options that they have. Sure. So just to give you a very simple um, uh, example, one will be see when we talk about business loans, we usually think, although a lot of us may not know the terminology here, but we usually think of uh, the term loans. Basically, you take, you borrow a certain amount of money from the lender, you pay it over a year, two years, whatever, like whatever is the agreement, EMIs yeah. and all. There is also something called, and this is very, oh, very yeah, simple, bill. bill discounting. Part of working capital itself, you have an invoice with a, you know, a reputed company. And yeah, exactly, exactly. Huh. But you'd be surprised to learn that how many businesses still don't know what that is. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of you do not think about which is the great like, interesting consumer insights or customer insights side of India, Bharat, tier two cities and all. I would love to zoom into this, but go on. So that's the thing. Like hmm. you and I, we are sitting over here. We probably know about bill discounting because we have come across sure. this. We have spoken to our finance team or whatever. We know that what it is. Hmm. Imagine a person who is sitting out of Husu running his own factory, pretty successful. And to a certain extent, of course, he will be required of working capital to, you know, provide for his business and all. Where do you think he will go? He will go to his own network first, right? Which is usually expensive, 2% a month kind of informal loans. Exactly, exactly. Mm. That's the first place that that person will go. Interesting. So, you know, help me zoom into this in terms of a little bit, in terms of how credible is positioned and the, the nature of uh, borrowers you're working with. Is there a pattern to tier 2, tier 1 yeah. size of business? What what would be an ICP for you? Uh, so, for me, the ICP, see again, you need to understand we are still in our learning phase and uh, pretty much year 1 we have completed. So, the most amount of success we have seen is from tier 1. Hmm. And uh, Bombay, Delhi, Bangalore, these three being the uh, most uh, successful cities as of sure. now. But that's also because the digital penetration itself is high. And, you know, you might think of it as superfluous, but that's exactly what happens. It's mm. I, because of my digital reach in terms of my advertising, I am getting users from all over India. Sure. But you would be surprised how many times uh, our operations team uh, have reached out to a customer or we have received a call that they are unable to upload the document simply because the network is bad. Okay. I mean, that's the reality of a bunch that's of places the reality as well. Of sure. So, um, and what would be the typical size of these businesses in terms of, let's say, their turnovers since you have that data? Uh, so, I think it would be somewhere between 30 to 50 lakhs annual. Annual. So, yeah, that's yeah. typically a small yeah, yeah. business which yeah. has five or whatever. So, employees. it can be like a small mom and pop grocery store. Sure. It can be a retailer. It can be wholesalers. Hmm. Traders, like obviously, there's then, no dearth I mean, of When you ask for their PLs and their balance sheets, their IT returns as yeah. part of your KYC, that's your criteria of how to judge whether this is worth giving a loan or not. 
do these guys have well maintained books to begin with so that's where we have kind of figured out an alternative solution and to a certain extent it has worked for us okay. so a lot of these folks they work on tally or rather their accountants work on tally and we have a tally connector okay so what we you uh, absorb the data from tally and then you can do whatever you yeah. want with it we just hmm. have to like we just have to help that person to connect their tally and uh, the way we have tried to de- deal with it is there are some and you would be surprised to know how uh, digitally educated or digitally literate some of these people are very very smart and you just have to give them a small video clip or just you know step by step process they will do it all on their own some may require additional help but then again that's how you as a product you need to be approachable if they reach sure, out to us via various means it's going to be a growth a journey at all points of time you'll not get the savviest bunch but okay interesting but so what you're saying in effect is uh, your acquisition you mentioned was by and large digital at this point yeah so yeah. people who are looking for loans they uh, would search for something they'll discover yeah. credible they'll come onto the platform they'll yeah. figure okay i need to connect my tally that's how they pull all of that data and they're not very touchy about sharing this data with you because they want the loan yeah. so uh, once they connect it tally you have all of that data put together joining with the sibil now you have a profile to send to their uh, lender lender now makes an offer based on what he sees and now what happens from a user journey perspective so uh, the confirmation comes huh. from us only because obviously sure. uh, the user on their profile they will get to see that uh, loan has been sanctioned and uh, disbursed so the disbursed well, so it's actually going to get sent to his bank account directly yeah. without yeah much ado okay no hassles so uh, pretty straightforward they will be communicated time to time so again it's pretty automated it's pretty much set up that once the disbursement is done the user of course needs to uh, send in a uh, you know receipt i have received the money like a confirmation you know, yeah course. confirmation and then uh, time to time like then the monthly where? huh where would this confirmation be i mean is there a email. button he's pressing is so, sending an email yeah yeah he has to send But like it's an auto email regulatory Uh, you're sending a confirmation email, but him replying to it is also via email itself. Is that also regulatory? Because otherwise, to translate that email confirmation into a systematic thing at scale that you're talking about could be a little messy, no? Ah, uh, so honestly speaking, uh, the regulation is keep everything documented. So that sure. is the most sure shot way of doing it. But mm. the good thing is, it's a uh, very basic auto reply thing that we yeah. have, right? So um, and. Uh, here like i it mentioned works. we do have to have that sort of manual intervention mm-hmm. as well because once it is dispersed right our operations team immediately calls and reminds them please yeah. send please the email from the email okay yeah super so you know we understood a little bit about the profile of the kind of people that are coming to you the size of their businesses typically from where they are uh, any indicative sense on what kind of typical loan durations these are what kind of loan sizes these are and at this point i it's still early we've just been one year so i don't know if delinquencies are already there but uh early signs of any of those metrics so uh see one thing in terms of the tenure right uh all the term loans that are disbursed on the platform the duration is for a year okay. 12 months that uh, that that's, is the product that we are selling that's the by design kind by of by design okay. yes that is a like we wanted it to be for 12 months only and mm. not uh more than that that's one second in terms of the loan ticket size if i can call it that so that's usually between 15 to 20 lakhs for a term loan okay uh of course it goes lower than that it goes higher than that but uh as of now again been a year for the last three months this is the trend that we are seeing got it so now would the guy be able to take a second loan before his first loans over 
can you prepay uh, and take a second loan how does the no, life cycle look like that so usually what happens in these kind of spectrums uh, you may have an options to top up sure but at the very same time that is entirely up to the lending partner that is at their own discretion and if they mm. want to uh let's say extend the tenure or they want to top the loan amount up that is up to them of course uh on the platform itself they just need to update the information accordingly but mm. we have put certain uh i mean the product is built in that way from the lender's point of view also that this kind of modifications can be done but like i said uh this is not the usual practice and mm. between you and me uh this is not something that anybody would prefer doing either from a borrower's end or from a lender's point of view okay so start the big use case so you know the reason i'm asking that question is from a retention and life cycle and lifetime value perspective you've given on a loan uh, is the repayment happening through your platform in some fashion do you facilitate that whatever uh, charging the account or uh, what do you call them standing instructions of some sort so for the lending space right uh, again what usually happens or the repayment that happens is via an escrow account okay. so um that's how everything is done in terms of the life cycle bit like i told you if you're talking about a term loan right uh, again loan is a very ideally a uh, very good scenario it is a one time use case or sure. hopefully you need a loan now and you don't oh, need to have it you can keep kind of doing whatever uh, scale up ah uh, so this is where term loans term are loan not very favorable this is where bill discounting comes into place where this is there is a cycle that is Complete happening the term loan while exercise for a moment and then we'll get to the other products because what i'm trying to understand and zoom into is from a customer lifetime value optimization now what are the levers that you have as a growth manager because he's taken a loan yeah. and that has obviously uh, been issued granted structurally would have had some monetization value on top of this yeah. now he's repaying this loan over the next 12 months with maybe 12 emis one uh, do you track or take care of the reminders and the nudges the fact that he's uh, repaid or not repaid the cmi if he's not repaid if it's aging in a certain fashion then there are escalation paths to be handled uh, maybe you want to make a phone call but maybe you want to not make a phone call on the 31st day you want to make a phone call on the 45th day from 31st to 45th you have a different model of engagement with this guy and after 45th if he's still not repaid then there is another escalation that is happen. purely offline so that's where i was trying to zoom into that okay as far as the recovery is concerned there's a certain set of interventions yeah, to be made which yeah. are by and large logical but they're all running on the credible platform at this point or does the lender do it independently No, no, no. Uh, we are involved because mm. at the end of the day, the borrower has come yeah. from our platform, and like you said, we do have our repayment cycle also uh, pretty much planned, and that's the way it has been chalked out, keeping in mind certain uh, borrower behaviors or what are the kind of risks that we are also taking, sure. right? So uh, it's pretty much like how you said. One thing I would like to point out is, at the very same time, uh, what we have done from Credible's end, by the way, the product. from from credible we are talking about is upscale sure so what we have done from this particular end is we have not just kept it limited to lending we have mm. also kept it uh, broad or open towards financial operations okay. so what happens is that of course a user has come onto the platform they have uh, you know got some money and the repayment cycle is happening as and when that is an independent mm. uh, function right what they can do is in terms of financial operations what we have tried to make it for that is we have uh, kept simple stuff like a bank account aggregator we have kept an invoice management a pretty advanced invoice management in place so what usually happens we are outbound both hmm? invoice management for inbound invoices outbound invoices or both both, both. both. as i mean 
everything is there so uh, how does it happen and how do i uh, help the user in terms of not only just using the platform more and more mm. but how do i make them understand that this is going to be their benefit just to give you a smaller yeah. example uh, so for example a user has borrowed something and uh, see in businesses obviously it's not that one time there may be a time when whenever you need to be mm. so uh, for the repayment cycle we have that place and uh, we have that communication is placed that the on timely repayment only helps in terms of building your credit profile sure. and in future yeah. the more you expand you can get it what are the other things that we do so before the user they whatever financial documents they would have provided they also know that they had uploaded certain pdfs etc etc what we ask them to do with the invoice management system that we have with the banking aggregator that we have the accounting automation modules that we have we slowly uh, but surely encourage them to use the platform more and more for mm. their financial operations and the first thing that we try to engage them with is that if you start using this your financial transactions are already documented in future you don't even need to update, uh, you know upload those pdf documents anymore because your profile is already be being improved and lender already has so your information this is now by the telecreditor or more directly using your own software for those financial aspects no this is purely our software side. tally connected is mm. just that the it fetches point. the information from tally but you could do this ongoing as well perhaps but it's parallel it's not yeah, like so if somebody is using import. our invoices they can't you know you know they can't use tally mm. tally they will of course They'll need to use, use right exactly mm. so but that's the thing like the whole point of this particular exercise is to start off from one point so mm. let's say in our case that would be the lending aspect sure. of it start off from there but how do i penetrate the entire aspect of a business's financial operations interesting so and it starts from there for example let me just give you a very quick example we have a user who has uh, gotten a loan from us one of your lenders exactly mm. like one of my lenders basically an up, uh, upscale user sure right and uh, of course we have asked them please connect your bank account on upscale because it will help you in terms of not only understanding the entire loan information mm. because of course you will get the updates there you will also it's easier for you to make the payment because you can just directly yeah, do it sure. from there and uh, so what we do is like uh, one of the examples i'm giving you like uh, every uh so usually the repayment dates whenever that is 3 days prior to that we send out an automated notification say your balance is low if sure. it is low of course okay. but if it is low your balance is low hmm. you may want to top it up because your repayment is coming sure i cannot tell you how successful that particular automation has done uh, uh because of the fact that it is helpful now mind you what is my underlying motive here my if i look at the user's action over here the user will probably see it understand that uh, they need to top up the account they will do that and pay the so uh, is am i getting any benefit out of, of it course. not immediately not instantly but sure not instantly if they have this notification and month on month they have come to rely on my platform more and more hmm. that's my trust. ultimate goal as a growth team and as part of the growth team that's my ultimate goal that my user needs to rely on me sure it becomes a habit they used to it they know that if it's if low they they'll know, be updated so by again just platform. this one example right yeah. if they know that this 
platform helps me in terms of oh they know that you know my balance is low so i will know i don't have to you know bother kind about of sweat it sweat over it or constantly be conscious hmm. now for next if i tell them that why don't you try out my invoice feature because not only it you know it is auto filled with all your gst information that you will need but once you start doing it it will automatically fill in the rest of the invoice cycle as well if it's mm. a recurring uh, sure. this thing you need to do chances of that particular user using my other product is way higher than me advertising it digitally to you know like invoice so management getting deeper into the users financial operations clearly and that's become a well navigated journey in some sense because you've gotten them used to a certain set of nudges in yeah. some sense from your platform which are actually helping him reduce the level of stress he's under for some of these data points and that ultimately simplifying his life yeah. the larger play that you know you go deeper into his life simplify his life he starts to depend on you the relationship goes yeah. uh, further and then he'll consume something or the other which will monetize i i actually have an analogy over here mm. uh, so and this is again something that uh, you know interestingly came to me last i think 6 months ago you have those relationship managers at the right. bank right and they on time like at least on a month they call you and uh, they tell you that how are you is everything okay and all i realized that the nudges that we are sending pretty much doing the same thing sure of course we are not uh, asking them how are you doing and all that although nothing is stopping us actually, from exactly you know, yeah i mean not in those sense not, you know what i mean but not yet <laughs> but uh, what i'm trying to say is that they are enabling us to maintain relationship with every single one of my customers yeah and i cannot tell you how important that is specifically in a fintech environment and specifically for a market in india where money and trust go hand in hand so you're saying your whole communication play ends up being a big contributor to trust building at a macro level which is yeah. a strategic implication of whatever these yeah uh, technically small tactical but otherwise very meaningful things that you're doing exactly because mm. see if i go out and you know constantly start sending uh notifications or emails or whatever like uh, like we have a new uh, soft uh, you we have a new model you please try it you can try this you know you will it will help you with this 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 after a point people will get irritated it's kind of where it's a little, i mean unnerving for me to notice all the kind of blast messaging still happens across a lot of industries right now would i hear you say that a lot of your communication is very journey driven a very a uh, user life stage user situation with your business kind of driven so if he's already had a happy moment or a happy experience with respect to his loan repayments now he's slightly ripe for other engagement and other touch points and that's where i was going to zoom into the whole lifetime value side of things because ultimately your business who needs yeah. to monetize this user yeah. monetization opportunities would include either he takes multiple loans maybe there is one term loan there is other kinds of loan products that are available while he's still repaying his first one how does this play look like so the guy who's now crossed over from uh a uh, you know no relationship with you to having one loan which is repaying which is a term loan let's yeah. say is that the biggest entry point for you for your yeah. plan? term yeah. loan is the biggest entry yeah. point so now all the people who have a term loan now they would expand their relationship in some fashion yeah. what is that journey look like how do you steer it how do you navigate the nudges so, around it i'm going to queue back to uh, the example that i have given so for example i'm trying to sell them my invoice module sure. right one of the modules now the way we have built it it's pretty much like a saas platform sure right so that's where the angle comes in that if they have 
used the product let's say x number of times or have created uh, invoices amounting to x amount this user obviously is going to be using it for a recurring period of time and that's where it's the sas angle you notice you know there's a very clear parallel we drew with a bunch of other industries where you talk about the onboarding side of it then there is an aha moment then there's a habit formation stage and there's exactly. a set of stage in between so for instance in pinterest if you've done let's say five pins so your yeah. board will be populated on facebook if you've added seven friends uh, in 10 days and your feed looks exciting you're yeah. going to keep coming back to it what you're saying is if i've done I mean, i'm just putting placeholders here yeah, sure. a set of invoices in there let's say 3 4 5 what comes out of it is enough for you to now get excited to continue doing this exactly in some exactly. sense okay and exactly. that's where a lot of your nudging slash steering will happen that i need to get this user to this uh, aha moment in some sense what kind of milestones you put to that uh, kind of journey so i would say more uh, rather instead of those aha moments now i need the user to be comfortable with my mm. product i'll tell you where it differs from for a product like ours to any other consumer sure. facing product uh with any other consumer facing product it's pretty much like you know the novelty aspect of it or the way you capture their attention mm. for a product like ours and you can call it a good thing you can call it a bad thing it is about the level of comfort the ease of comfort or convenience they have with a product like ours okay if i go a step back and if you look at the mobile banking apps from the traditional lenders or traditional mm. banks rather it took them a while to get users on boarded to the application mm. why because the ease of comfort was not there of uh, their trust to it and there is the usability See, of x2 these it. are traditional banks right huh. so on banks people have trust sure. what they don't have trust on is the technology Sure. When they had started. That's a very interesting nuance, right? In some sense, I mean, ICICI is a great bank, but the app, am I comfortable mobile banking yet or not? That's. Wouldn't you rather just go? Not maybe you, but let's say. My mother, your, of course, yeah, she'd much rather parents. have a bank branch transaction and all of that stuff instead of dealing with the mobile app. Exactly. Hmm. You would rather have that face-to-face -face communication. Hmm. But yeah, of course, our generation, of course, and the generations after, we are more comfortable but doing in everything. But not dealing with this customer, right? Your typical customer exactly. is actually that guy who still. distrusting of technology at some exactly, level exactly exactly mm. and uh, that's how right uh, that's where what i'm saying is that right now what i just the example that i gave you it's pretty much like a digital journey and our communication is also pretty digital mm. however what we have also seen working and this is where i would like to uh, quote one small experiment a very small sure. experiment with just about 200 mm. users we had done mm -hmm. 100 users Uh, like two groups 100 100 a very small uh, segment what we had done is one is of course see our uh, nudges our uh, cycles all of it is already set and we've revisited whenever needed sure. all that jazz mm. both sets are getting the same sort of communication mm. one set we did manual interventions so on day 45 uh one of our customer success team members they reached out to them hmm. and uh, they just asked like how, again like your how relationship you relationship management just, how you hmm. are doing and all that and uh, they also asked are you uh, like are you finding our platform to be useful do you think you know uh, it serves everything that you wanted or you know is everything discoverable for you okay right 
that's the question we asked we didn't ask that what do you want what third one seems to be fairly interesting from a nuance perspective but okay what came out of it uh what came out of it is that apart from that one module because of certain nudges that they would have used they actually didn't realize that there were so many other features of the product is an issue. exactly true because it's also to do with what habit formation is right i mean despite whatever whatsapp has done in putting that little piece of rupee in front of your face the adoption of whatsapp pay is still zilch simply because you just go to whatsapp yeah. to send messages and pictures but you do open a google pay to make payments yeah so interesting but then how do you solve for it because so short answer we are still trying of course <laughs> we are still trying but one of the ways we wanted to tackle this is you know redesigning the home page and what we huh. realized is that how do i bring that customized customized user experience to a user very interesting because i am able to draw a fairly straight parallel with a bunch of other conversations i've been having because what typically tends to happen is we have 10 different offerings to make a uh, user might have preference for one or two may not be for all 10 if you were to show him all 10 chances that he'll the attention is diffused and no action is taken yeah. because choice paralysis happens and he's just going to uh, blank out and move on to yeah. something that he is anyways inclined towards and if you were to reduce the number of choices in front of him chances that he'll take the next action are better exactly so instead of showing him all 10 you show only the next two which are the most likely ones and then you kind of graduate him through the journey exactly hmm. exactly what also worked for us however was uh, uh, we wanted to try out like for example uh, if a user is let's say they haven't really understood the banking module they have been using the invoicing but they haven't really explored the banking module what we did was uh, if the user is not activated uh, when they are creating the invoice we just sent a small nudge saying um, would you be collecting money from this bank account not connected use our this thing and you can get it directly here hmm that sort of a communication so very tactically timely nudge is doing something relevant yeah hmm and this is an automated thing which is triggered by the kind of action yeah. the user is taking on the platform obviously creating the triggers is hell i wouldn't like <laughs> creating But the logic and find the right kind of uh, trigger to make itself is the intellectually challenging part execution should be easy execution is easy hmm. but again that identifying the pattern Right. Sure. That's where all of your product analytics and the funnels come into picture, right? This is the multiple stages where this kind of nudges might make a difference. And this is where I would say, and this is something mm. that uh, I haven't heard a lot of uh, marketers who specifically focuses on retention mm. do, or at least I haven't heard is uh, user behavior study. I'll tell you where. So what they will do is, of course, they will look at the graphs, they will look at the numbers, they will look at the charts, everything. but what a marketer focused on user acquisition will do in terms of uh, market research and directly talking to the user somewhere uh, retention marketers are falling short of that interesting you know we did have this conversation right before we started the recording around the territory being more product less marketing or a combination of both and uh, that's the overlap/handshake place and what you're describing right now is actually a product experience related nudge So should this be uh, executed and owned by the product junta, or should this be owned and executed by the marketing or retention teams? And that's where the boundaries can get a little blurry when the growth team gets involved. Now, yeah. the growth team is supposed to have minds and heads from both sides to actually make all of this happen. So what I hear you say is the subjective side of understanding user nuances are not as uh, actively being pursued by the retention folks as they are by the acquisition folks. Yeah. 
is there a structural reason to it or is it more like a matter of time where people will start doing this i think it's a matter of time yeah because like you said and uh, this uh, see what we have been focusing on pretty much as a market is aggressive user acquisition of course retention is now coming <laughs> into problem. picture exactly yeah but in your case i mean that's what is going to come to right when you talk about lifetime value and that's where the retention cross selling up selling all those components become interesting you've given a loan there is a certain level of fees that you might have made on this but that's likely not going to cover your acquisition yeah. cost which means it's you not. want him to either buy some it's of those crucial for me that they at the end of the day become a paid user for me fair so which is where uh, the saas tools you're talking about around invoice yeah. management around other financial operations are these paid tools yes yes they are now we're talking so that's where the acquisition to all of these paid tools will become a very critical part of exactly. how your retention uh, operation is actually playing out let's zoom into this so you mentioned sure. that okay if you're doing a set of activities let's say creating an invoice you will want them to put the bank connector i'm assuming there is a set of free thing and then a certain set of paid yeah, things yeah. and there's a typical user journey by which he'll start with these three free thing then he'll probably take one paid component stay with it for some time and then take the second paid component how does that journey look like so for example uh connecting all your bank accounts is absolutely free free i would imagine so it's yeah, the stickiness yeah. quotient then yeah right? yeah uh making payments also pretty much free collecting payments you can collect it but uh, see upskill is not a bank it's not a it, it's not a banking account it's a digital sure. account yeah. right so you also need to withdraw that money at some point in time mm. right so to use that uh, i'm not saying collecting money that's where we will charge you if you want yeah, so that feature to be enabled so is that like a payment link where somebody would send yeah. a link and then they yeah. would get paid and then so yeah, 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 yeah. uh, into the side okay so in fact uh, if they have that feature enabled our invoices go out with the payment link the itself the link directly so it's all connected mm. but it can only be activated if you are a paid user of course so that's where uh, the natural gravitation of a power user or who somebody who's appreciating the value of the convenience that this is bringing to him will graduate to the paid product and uh, you know i'm assuming there are pricing models and there are ways of to course. expose a user to that experience before uh, public charging how do you navigate this this is hardcore saas plc in the middle of lending now yeah <laughs> right so a, a different ball game in some sense a different hat that you now are wearing and uh, i'm actually intrigued that uh, this is a dimension which is sme saas essentially in india and your distribution becomes uh, your lending product my distribution is by and large my lending product no so two ways like about it so you have like a whole it. bunch of people taking loans from you but that's not your end game you're using only it as a way of getting them into the conversation the game essentially is to give them saas tools which are empowering for them very interesting i Most would like to i know but this is where i also wanted to add this is exactly mm. where my experience as a content person come uh, comes in <laughs> i'll tell you why the dots connect well <laughs> the dots connect well surprisingly mm. but um, see my user who i intend them to be more uh, comfortable with the product and of course that ease of convenience you also need to keep in mind that these are smes we are talking about these are not startups sure. these are not so called tech savvy people of yeah. course there are outliers we discussed that sure. right that's where the dependency on reliable content and content that is easily consumable and uh content in which the language is that of the user becomes very very important mm. and that's where and this is the surprising or maybe expected but not realized soon enough thing is that this is where the awareness and consideration happens and that is a strong strong content play 
Very interesting. So, you're able to link the whole uh, very clear user empathy side of the equation, understanding his needs, motivations, insecurities, and concerns, and build that into your content play while Absolutely. you're building this uh, messaging stack on top of an automated kind of system. So, yeah. at different life stages, what are the things he's probably going to struggle with, and how do you comfort him, soothe him, make him build trust, and then play it out exactly. as a system? Okay. So, now as far as um, the team structure is concerned and you talk about yourself as a content person also now turned into a marketer slash growth leader. How does the team composition look like? What are the different people here doing? Because as I can imagine, there is a full-fledged play on getting the onboarding, KYC, loan part sorted. But now it's uh, done for like, I don't know, a million odd users, maybe more. And now these are all ripe for the next part of uh, the, let's say, squeezing value order slash delivering value to yeah. either of them. You can position it. But that's where the fun part now starts. Yeah. And that's what would uh, determine the truth of how successful the business ends up being. Correct. Right? So, are there more loan products also involved here now? Because there was term loans. No, 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 there are out. more loan There's products. So we started well, primarily remember, right? with term loans, yes. Huh. But uh, now we offer a gamut of lending products. Sure. So, uh, to be honest, because we are a product from Credible and Credible has been in this game for the last five years, right? Mm. So, uh, Credible in its own kitty has a lot of lending products in itself. Sure. Uh, so that's where we had that luxury of tapping into other lending products mm. and uh, because of the existing partnerships, lenders were also more comfortable in terms of getting those product, uh, lending products live system. on the platform. So now as far as uh, the other products are concerned, they're typically, um, let's say acquisition products where new customers come in for a working capital loan or that still remains dominated by a term loan and then everything else is a cross-sell. Uh, to be honest, it's the second uh, sure. scenario over here. It's pretty much dominated by the term loan. But that's uh, the case so far. It might also be a function of how your acquisition efforts are moving. Yeah, so see, the thing is, in my honest opinion, I think we need to still give it at least one more year because the users who had come in, now they're in that phase where they are, you know, becoming more and more aware and they are in that consideration phase of, hmm. of course, they are still, you know, using it. But that's also is going to tell me whether something like this is going to become a lifelong habit or something else can come up and completely disrupt. Yeah, and this is that. Of, uh, I mean, what are the possible risks to this? Because I'm now thinking of from a habit formation perspective, you're simplifying a bunch of those things for me, aggregating my bank account, simplifying my invoicing, reminding me if I'm low and balanced. So a lot of the simplification is happening, which is the convenience side of things. So I'll tell you what. Should really um, be sticky. The challenge here is the stickiness. Correct. And uh, I'm also, unfortunately, my competition is not my other competitors. My competition is the mindset where in a market, any business owner can find anyone who is willing to do that tenuous job for, let's say, half the price. That's my challenge. I'll give you a simple mm -hmm. example. Initially, when we tried to push the tally connector on its own, a lot of these business owners came back to us saying that I already have a guy who does that for me. I don't care. So like initially we tried to, you know, append our game by saying that you get all the information on your WhatsApp and all. And uh, I remember this one business owner, uh, he was like, I already get that. This guy does it for me. He sends me on WhatsApp. How do I compete with that? Sure. Right. So that's the challenge. And in its own, uh, or rather on its own, the financial operations bit, right? Um, 
first of all the stickiness or the loyalty because when i'm saying a uh, matter of convenience right the fact that there is somebody else who is doing for you you cannot beat that game of convenience sure that's the reason why we armed it together with the lending product mm. because loan is something everybody needs and here if you have managed to get that idea into their head that if you start doing this your profile is getting built up so not just this particular loan but in future whenever you require a loan mm. it's just a button away because now mm. you don't even need to apply you already have your profile right you just need to you know just say that i need a loan so that's the habit building formation that we are building switch away from the offline current routes which are not expensive because manpower is not expensive to switching to tools which are online and savvy and the appetite to pay for these things is still a question mark yeah that, that would boil down to a tam problem in some sense that you know there are people who will pay for convenience but they're not probably infinite and that category of people might grow somewhat slowly over a period of time yeah. and that's why your playbook on the other loan products and other things which the people are anyways paying for in some yeah. fashion yeah. comes into play Yeah. So obviously it's still a young, uh, fairly young company in that sense. So a lot remains to be discovered. Of course. And uh, so tell me something. Which part of data kind of surprised you? That you know this is against what I would normally intuitively have thought of. When we were uh, figuring out the drop stages and we were preparing the plan, and this is pretty much in the initial phase. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so instead of the document uploading, which I told you is the major drop off stage. i figured that the kyc bit will be the most uh, the biggest uh, drop off stage because in my head i thought oh we would require a video kyc or whatever whatever people are not comfortable they don't know how to do it to my pleasant surprise maybe everyone knew how to do that that's and because the academy's got it gotten some degree of education i mean other people have made yeah. them do this stuff already in some not sense. just other people so again these are business owners yeah. but banks itself uh, like they have taught the users and these guys they are seasoned guys right mm. they have applied loans before this also they know that the process is evolving and see this is their need Sure. So they have to educate themselves, but in my own way, I ignored. I completely kept them inside one umbrella and thinking, oh, they are not digitally savvy. Hmm. I was very, very wrong. Oh, that was thanks to the WhatsApp adoption. I think digital savviness of sharing pictures, content, videos, and everything is like taken a big leap, right? In that sense, and it's also somewhere the need is very clearly established. The user has very strong motivation yeah. to now complete yeah. this. So whatever hiccups he might face, if he's very casual, that mila ni mila farak ni pata yeah. then he might lack, you know slack over otherwise he will complete whatever that means interesting but that's not the same story when you have the loan part problem solved the other stuff still needs a little bit of hard education slash convincing slash confidence building and trust building that is 10 times tougher if not more than that have you found uh, let's say mechanisms around peer referencing slash reviews slash yeah. testimonials to kind of make yeah. that journey easier yeah so one thing that has really helped us and uh we figured that out and now that is one of our acquisition channels and or rather helped us launch our referral program is uh, so the invoice management of course mm. uh you are raising your invoice to certain parties that's the terminologies right so when you are sending it to those parties uh the power users that we have uh i think that was one of the validations that we got as a uh, very you know premature company or product rather mm. is that uh, they like the feature so much they started referring to us to their parties okay and 
uh, of course, if they're saying that, you know, try this because I'm going to send you the invoice over here. You have all the details because I've already mentioned the items. It's already there. Mm. You just need to cross verify and pay me. Mm. Party started using that. And for the longest of time, we were trying to think of launching a referral program where, you know, what would make sense? What would make sense? And we would think like, you know, why don't you uh, refer uh, another uh business owner who is mm. looking for a loan or something like that to an extent it we did see things coming in this one oh my god like it smells like hotmail to me no i mean because every invoice that's going out to what 25 parties if it's let's say send by credible and you know click here to no, get no, your it's own not credible. the send by credible part huh. it is the fact that uh so in the invoice these SMEs, so they have to deal with a lot of parties and they have to de deal with a lot of in uh, inventory sure. stock items sure. right and usually what happens is that in other competitors you have a limit of course mm. that's their monetization game mm. but because number of sqs that you can put in invoices is finite okay but you have a larger again that's number. also because that we are a brand new entry but that's exactly what uh, you know made them ask other people that you also is start that using that free mm. mail Huh. And that also goes back to the point that, uh, well, two things. One is that we in India are quite a nuance inside. Ki inventory zada hoti aur wo free mein nahi milti, to log switch kar jayenge iske liye. Okay. And that's why I'm saying the stickiness is the factor, because also the user insight from the conversation. Because I don't know if you can ever discover this from data that the number of SQs. No, no, that is definitely from. See, this we figured out because we spoke to the user. Correct. How will I know that they will? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Because this kind of data will not in a surface from any dashboard no, that will no. come out of it. So what you're saying is um, this is now driving stickiness because this user has invited other parties onto the platform. And would this now start to seem like a bit of a case of network effects that yeah. if my partners, my suppliers, my vendors are all here, then I have lesser reason to go out of this ecosystem because... I mean, they're all here. I might as well just keep it simple. But what you're saying is uh, the part around uh, having a larger number of SKU items to be dealt with in the invoice and sending the invoice from here is making it easy. But wouldn't this also reflect on the other side where send with credible or whatever has happened will get this guy curious about what is this and how do I navigate this and all of that? Have you evaluated um, that as a possible channel? Am I missing something here? No, you are to be not spelled very out. close to the send with hotmail kind of No, use no, case. no. You are uh, like, you are right. The thing is, um, we are not the only ones who realized it. Any competitor, they would have done it. But that's what I'm exactly trying to hmm. say is that uh, these folks, they are pretty much uh, focused on what they're getting out of anything. I'll give you one. So which makes the incentivization slash transactional appeal a lot more important compared to just discovery. And also, I told you, right, we are not the only ones who are offering this. In some sense, it's not a discovery problem. They already know that you exist. Is that a fair statement to make, at least in the ecosystem of the partners uh, that these guys work with? Uh, they might not know us in from a financial operations point mm. of view. They definitely know us from a lending perspective. Mm. Uh, what I was trying to say that a similar competitor, they also tried the same game. Right. And uh, of course, any invoice that would be sent by any company, obviously that powered by whatever, always it will there. always be there. When we initially started doing our market research, we obviously asked, what is the reason you are you know, using these folks? Hmm. I thought that the ease of comfort, convenience and all, turns out it was cashback for <laughs> Every. Incentivize behavior, but that I mean that's a structural issue because if you incentivize a behavior, it has to only go to the point where the behavior is uh, sustained 
even if the incentive is withdrawn. So I again, I cannot offer cashbacks for the rest of that user's life. You would want to because that would make it a. So that's again business. my point, right? Hmm. If I use that tactic, what's the point? The moment I will stop giving cashback, I will see that user yes, dropping so off. So what do I do? That's why, uh, like, that. That's why we hit the drawing board again, and we wanted to see what are the features that I can give them out for an infinite hmm. time, so that you know, like the SKUs. Sure. That is where we so figured out a your, value. Your incentives or your hooks are essentially non-monetary in nature, while the customer on the other side is very tempted and easy to sway with the monetary incentives. This is a harder thing to figure out in some sense that okay, this is. You leave that hundred rupee cash back to be able to do more SKUs in some sense, because that's what you're fighting against exactly. in the competitive ecosystem. So deeper consumer insight is what's going to help you win the war uh, than just the you know larger wallet of giving away cash backs. Yeah, very interesting. So very interesting uh, way of looking at building it slightly for the longer haul, not using these shortcuts or incentives um, at a corporate structure and strategy level. Is this a conscious thought taken that okay, we have these growth hacks available? You could have also done cashbacks of whatever kind yeah. to drive some of these behaviors. But you're taking a conscious stance to go a little deeper on the insights sort of things than do this. No, that How is. How does that I, affect your uh, velocity? No, no, no. It does affect my velocity. I wouldn't lie. Uh, but like you said, we are in this for the long haul. Sure. And uh, whatever I am trying out for this particular product, you need to also understand that. Credible has been in the working capital game for the last five years, right? Sure. There also we have seen anything that is worth pursuing for the long haul hmm. that sticks out. So you're not in this mad rush of all of this action that's happening in the fintech space, where this user acquisition is the only KPI to chase, and everyone can kind of hack it. It is not the only KPI it. to chase. Of course, in acquisition. Of course, acquisition is something that we. It's a valuable need. piece, but you can't. Look at only that. No, but that's retention, where the mad rush is. Retention. But that's where the mad rush is, right? I mean, all of the money that's flown into the fintech space, a big part of it got blown up in acquisition, and retention is still a subject which is uncommon. That's the reason we're having this conversation. See, see I'll tell you what. Somebody who has uh, looked at all sides of it for how much ever hmm. exposure. Out of all of this, I can honestly say the advertisers are the ones who gained the big of bucks. Course. Right. Uh, by all means. Yeah. So, like. Uh, I mean, that's the clear story of I remember the two cats fighting for that little piece of bread and the monkey benefiting out of it. That's how I see that. It is. Uh, it is. Story. And see, fair game, right? I mean, it's uh, a pattern for the market. It's an evolution journey in some sense for the ecosystem, and that's why what I'm excited about now is people like you are thinking about this from a well-rounded approach. That okay, a short-term hack is not going to solve the problem for me. I want to play for the long haul. Which means my incentives can't be uh, short-term cashbacks, which can't sustain or can't scale. And no, I have certain to things do more. can definitely see. You also need to, you know, give that push certain times. So, so I'm not saying those you blanket okay. object to all of this. You have yeah. a sensible choice. So give me a sense of you know wherever you used monetary incentives and that has worked well, and then you've been able to withdraw and the habit still maintained. So this would be in open actually. Sure. So uh, this is when we had launched the brand new credit card. Uh, for founders or entrepreneurs, and initially, what we were doing when we launched the card, whoever signs up instantly will get uh, X amount of credit with that card, okay. irrespective of their credit profile. Sure. And I wouldn't lie, we got a tremendous. Uh, Was like, the amount sizable? 
I would say think so. Like you also need to understand the kind of people that we're sure. signing up. Mostly very young generation mm. entrepreneurs and uh, freelancers and all that, right? Mm. So definitely, uh, that excited any any amount of credit would be great for them, right? But it offset your customer acquisition cost because this then became credit and not really upfront discount or whatever, right? But credit is. Credit so risk. I mean, you'll have some sort of math around how much did you recover, how much of it became NPN. That became. Ah, that's the, the thing, right? Like because it is credit card, one of the most riskiest products that you can sell. Ah, uh, that's the thing. Uh, while it's not instant cashback or instant, uh, you know, I'm giving out money. It's also the risk, which is also delayed. You don't know how it exactly. play out. Exactly. So it's even riskier. I would say that. and uh, by the end of it the exercise that we had conducted it became uh, like increasingly uh, like we became increasingly sure that this is definitely not going to be sustainable <coughs> sure. even if for a short term period we definitely wouldn't want to do that fortunately open is of course being uh, run by brilliant people so they figured out a hack huh. and we proceeded you know accordingly In a different direction, so yeah. that was uh, that uh, damage was contained uh, yes but you know in general we've seen different kinds of behaviors being uh, let's say inspired slash pushed for slash incentivized by brand owners and sometimes it's sustainable it's okay if it's a one time incentive and second time you just like the behavior or the experience so much that you will continue without the incentive as well but a large majority ends up being a uh, endless treadmillish kind of affair where you keep incentivizing users and to me quick commerce ends up being the most You know, biggest culprit in that yeah. sense because you're anyway offering me very serious convenience. You're also offering me deep discounts. So, I mean, it's not switching out. And tomorrow you have five competitors also doing the same thing. So it's never going to build a stickiness. And that's the part where I very I found your consumer insight while aspect very interesting because you figured a piece of nuance which others haven't. And I mean, they'll soon play catch up anyway. But do you have a you know series of such things that you keep figuring out and discovering and then solving for? Which give you those non-monetary hooks, which are uh, exciting for your users. So uh, we try to, because there's uh, like I said, uh, everybody will have figured out something sooner or later, and or they'll follow suit. I mean, they'll they will copy. follow suit. As simple as such. Uh, what we try to do as an exercise, uh, as a team, we do this weekly exercise where all of us, irrespective of whichever team we are in, we try to contact. a uh, few users and we try to understand what they have done and like mm. i said the question is not like you know how would you want us to improve and all that let's sure. not go into that yeah. like what have you done what is the first thing you saw specific questions of sure. course and what helps us is that once a week we all gather we bring down our notes it's like this 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 okay what can be this what mm. can be that mm. and it's not that the fact that only the product person is giving me the insights or you know from the marketing point of view i'm offering my insights it's at the end of the day different people understanding different perspectives so you will have those nuanced insights the moment you are part of a team and you are getting that discussion done mm. so it's something which as long as you prioritize you will solve for see for us uh, like you you know you kind of mentioned it already for us is to get those insights first that is a priority for us that's why we are doing it as a weekly exercise what, i mean if you able to build let's say a science around it and it's predictable that you are able to do this repeatedly that becomes your sustainable competitive advantage right in that sense yeah yeah it's a, see this is something like we do it like this way 
every brand every successful company in the world will have their own they have to figure their own way out because otherwise if we don't have competitive advantages it's not going to last awesome this is extremely interesting nandini thank you so much for doing this here you have a filmmaker who's turned into a content person and now she's a growth leader doing fairly interesting stuff on uh, both left and right side of the brains she's using her roots in content to build empathy and understand the user insights and translate them into communication which builds trust thank you so much nandini my pleasure. pleasure to do this